Judges chapter 13, and in the time we have, let's consider what the Bible records in four chapters about the life of Samson. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a spectator sport at all. Let me go back to some remarks I made earlier in my announcements. The Roman Catholic Church perfected the church as a spectator sport, where as long as you made it in the door, you sat there and watched the charade up front. The charade of a man dressed in fancy clothes, incense being tossed around, pipe organs making lots of noise, stained glass beautifying your visual uh, sight, and you watched him turn a cracker into God over a 60-minute period of time with a 10-minute homily about anything from Charlie Brown to the Washington Redskins. They perfected a spectator sport. That is not why we have a church. That is not what the Lord ever intended. They could meet anywhere. And they never had incense. They never had robes. They never had pipe organs. They had each other. And they comforted each other and exhorted each other and warned each other and rebuked each other and forgave each other and confessed their faults one to another. And it's, it's not a spectator sport, brethren. Our church is our body to help us be prepared and to live for the day of the Lord's coming. Right. Don't forget that. And so this study is part of that. This study is not for me to be some eloquent entertainer of you, because that I am not. But I will give you some things to think about from the life of Samson. Because it's easy to be like Samson. And much of the world is like Samson, and much of so-called Christendom is like Samson. And he made shipwreck of his life. And we don't want that to happen in here. Amen. We just prayed for our young people. All of you young men, you boys, Samson is looked at in the Bible as one of its heroes because he was so strong. And there's a reason for that. The glory of young men is their strength. Young men revel in a guy as strong as Samson. We will take a few minutes to look at his strength because that's what God the Holy Spirit wrought in him. But I want all of you young men to be far greater than Samson. Oh, I don't even want you to be close to Samson. Far greater And yet, without disparaging our brother, he is in Hebrews chapter 11. You read Judges 13, 14, 15, and 16, you say, hardly, or no way. But he's there. And you know what? When the Lord says he's there, he's there. And I want to to warn you in advance. I'm not going to be very kind to Samson, even though he's in Hebrews 11. I'm not going to be any kinder to Samson than I am to Jonah. Do you know there's a whole book that also has four chapters about a man named Jonah? He didn't want to go in the first place. And when he finally was forced to go because whale gastric juices made him a little nauseous, when he finally decided to go, he was hoping they wouldn't repent so that he could have a weenie roast over the city of Nineveh. And then when a gourd grew up and gave him some shade on a 95 degree day, when the gourd was cut down by a worm, he cursed God and wanted to die. I mean, he wanted to die. He wanted suicide. And the book ends. Have you ever read Jonah? The book ends. You say, that's one of the men of God? One of the pitiful men of God. You say, did he do anything right? He went and preached, but he didn't have the right motive. Did the Lord use his preaching? Oh, yes, he did. Did the city repent? Yes. Was Noah excited to repentance? Not a chance. He didn't like that capital city of Assyria, and he wanted it destroyed. So remember that as we go through Samson. God can use men and use them in all sorts of ways. Now, Samson did have some faith, and we're going to see at times he calls upon God to help him, and he does it in faith that God will help him. But he is so misguided in what he does, and the choices he makes. And he is not our example of how we're supposed to live. He is our example on how we are not supposed to live. Even though he was a child of God. And he was picked entirely unrelated to this morning's sermon, though he fits so well, as I now tell you about him. 
He's entirely for you young people, especially my young men. I want you to know once and for all, and you should know this clearly, physical prowess proves nothing. Physical prowess usually proves mental idiocy. Don't you, don't you respect and admire men because of physical prowess. You respect and admire men because of their spiritual prowess. You respect and admire men for what you just heard about one of our young men, how he performs in the job when the boss is away. He does extra. He's in danger of doing too much. That's a good problem to have. Usually. We don't want any problems on the job, but... That was a good testimony. Faithfulness is far better than what you can bench press. The Lord doesn't care about the legs of a man. Do you know He actually says that? Do I know that some of you love to jump down in a leg sled and see how much you can leg press? Do you know that I have enjoyed doing that as well? But the Lord says He doesn't delight in the legs of a man. He delights in those that fear Him. And I want you to fear him better than Samson did. Judges chapter 13. How do we do this in a few minutes? Four chapters, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We have four chapters in the book of Judges about Samson. There's more about Samson in the book of Judges than any other man. But if you've read Judges, you know that the men that are in the book of Judges, for the most part, are not very impressive. They're weak. They fail, they backslide, they fall into trouble. If you've read the whole book, it's not, a, it's not exactly your hall of heroes. There are some pitiful men here, and Samson is one of them. Did the Lord use him? Yes, for his people's sake. I'll tell you, the Lord can use anyone at any time. He can use Balaam's ass right. to help a prophet, to help a man, or to warn a man. He can use Judas. How many did Judas Iscariot baptize? Number unknown. How many did Judas Iscariot baptize? Did the other eleven think his baptism was inadequate? Not a chance. The Lord can use all kinds of men. And we're going to see that, because we don't have time to chase very many rabbits, because there are a few issues in Samson's life that are going to cause you to wonder, what was he doing? But God can use men who are obedient, and God can use men who are disobedient, because He is the God of heaven. If you ever read Greek mythology, and you shouldn't, but you've heard a name that I'm going to say, who was their strong one? Hercules. You ought to read, and I did waste a couple of hours. I hope you'll forgive me. I did waste a couple of hours reading the works of some men who have shown that the Greeks did nothing but plagiarize our Bible. That Hercules, by... Event after event was stolen from the pages of Judges. And a few issues were added to it, and then it was taken into the mythology of several different nations. But it started with the inspiration of God, revealing a historical event to us of his single-handed champion of Israel. You know, God chose at different times to deal different ways, and this time he chose to deal with the Hulk. And Samson was like the Hulk. And forget that little green cartoon character that some of you are thinking of. Samson, when the, whole, when the Spirit of God came upon Samson, whatever was binding him burst off. If his clothes were too tight, they just flew off. Buttons flew off. And he, he would have power and strength and speed to do anything he wanted to. Right. The Lord would be with him when he, whether he was obedient or disobedient. Right. The Lord would be with him, giving him that strength. I want, I want to teach you a little principle here, and I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but 1 Corinthians 14.32 tells me this. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Did that mean that a prophet could get up and two of them could speak at the same time when they shouldn't be? Yes, they could. They could use a spiritual gift in a wrong way. Are you, are you with me on that? That little principle is helpful to understanding these four chapters, or you end up, what in the world's going on here? The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. God would bless that man even when he was disobedient sometimes. You're going to need to remember that. 
Brother David read the most important verses to us. The others were very good, and they, they fed in to the middle passage you just heard read. All Scripture is necessary for us, but that passage told us that they who run a race in this world run to win the prize of being first. And that is how we're supposed to run the Christian race. And this man wasn't first, and we want to be better than Samson. Judges chapter 13, one of the first things we notice, and I'm just going to pull a few things from four chapters, and you know that's all I'm going to pull. When God's children sin, His chastening can be severe. Do you notice the 40 days of being under the persecution of the Philistines in the first verse? How that Israel sinned, and so God put them in bondage under the nation of the Philistines for 40 days? 40 years. Indeed. 40 years. Do you mean God could chasten me for something for 40 years? You say, that's most of my life. Is He unjust? You know where we ought to be? Eternal torment. Forty years of chastening is mercy. The children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. The Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. But the Lord's merciful. He sees His people. And before He's ever born, before He's ever conceived, He's going to raise up a single-handed champion. And this single-handed champion is going to be brave. He's going to be strong. He's going to be fast. And he's going to be easily provoked and he's going to have a problem with women. And God did not make him have a problem with women. He chose to have a problem with women. Right. As we'll see, he was unable to resist them. And so when, when you read in Proverbs, when you read in Proverbs about the strange woman, that an adulteress or a prostitute has slain and wounded many strong men, who comes to your mind? Sam, who else comes to your mind? David. But Samson and David just should come right into your mind when you read that verse. Because Solomon's writing a principle that took down two great men and a whole lot more than that. You know, the Lord takes care of barren women. And right here, with the strongest man about to be introduced, we have a woman who hasn't had a child. She, She has a barren womb. But the Lord comes and visits her and tells her she's going to have a son and how she ought to treat him. She's to be a Nazarite by not touching certain things, and he's going to be a Nazarite from his mother's womb. The vow of the Nazarite. Now, there's two words in the Bible, Nazarite and Nazarene. They are unrelated. Nazarene means you are from Nazareth. Jesus was a Nazarene, not because he joined that denomination in America in the year 2006, but because he was from Nazareth. The Apostle Paul was a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, because he was a preacher of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. A Nazarite is a vow from Numbers chapter 6 that you could put upon yourself for a period of time in which to honor God. You would not cut your hair. It would just grow. You would not eat raisins, drink grape juice or wine or strong drink, and you couldn't touch a dead body even if it was your dear mother that died. Number 6, 1 through 21 tells us that. The angel comes and tells Mrs. Manoah that you're going to have a son. I'm going to use him to deliver Israel, begin to deliver Israel, because he didn't do a very good job of it, but he got some work done. That's why it says begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. But he's going to have long hair. Don't ever cut his hair and don't give him anything from the vine. And so you can read in Judges 13. I hope you will this afternoon. If you haven't read these four chapters yet, read them this afternoon. Hopefully after I spend a few minutes with you, they'll make more sense. So Samson had long hair. Now, see, that's an exception. That's for a special vow to God. And it shows a man that he's under a special vow. It's an exception because men were to have short hair all the rest of the time. Because the Bible says for a man to have long hair is a shame. But it wasn't when you're carrying 20-ton city gates on your back with the post and the bar thereof to a nearby hill. doesn't look very feminine. But he was doing it for the Lord. When the Lord makes exceptions, we say, that's an exception we'll allow. Because if the Lord says it, we allow it. You know, if you read this passage, you're going to find out that angels are not fluffy, effeminate, and sweet men that the world would like to imagine. Well, these people are terrified of this angel. They think they've seen God. 
Because angels are terrible. They're mighty in their appearance. And you should remember that about them. Numbers chapter 13, uh, Judges chapter 13 is all about the angel coming and telling Manoah and his wife about the child they were going to have. We get to the last two verses and here's what we read. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson and the child grew and the Lord blessed him. We don't know what the blessing is yet, do we? Well, you know the Bible, that's why you know. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. If you go look at where Dan was to be located, what portion their tribe was given, it is on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, right in the middle of the Philistines. And so the Lord begins to move Samson. Now, we don't know what that was. We don't know if he was in the gym and he put on 200 pounds and benched it and then put on 500 and benched it and then put on 5,000 and benched it. We don't know what it was. We just know that the Spirit of the Lord's moving him and the blessing that he was given was strength. We know that's going to come up because we've already read the other three chapters. But it was the Spirit of God upon him. It was a special gift, God raising up this man. What about his strength? Let me, give, let me take a few minutes on that subject. The Lord began to move him. Well, the first movement we read about him that we're told the details of is in verse 6 of chapter 14. He's taking his mom and dad to go visit a woman that he wants to marry, and a young lion roars at him. A young lion comes out after Samson. Now, when a lion is not afraid of a man, they're usually called a man-eater, that is an unusual lion. But it roars out against Samson, and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him mightily, as it says in verse 6, and he rent him. He tore the lion in half. He ripped him wide open as he would have ripped a little kid. I don't mean you children. I mean a little goat or a little sheep. He, he rent him that easily. You know, you can take a little animal. For those of you that have gone hunting and killed little animals like rabbits and so forth, they don't hold together very well when you take, take them apart. Sorry for telling you that. But he tore a lion apart with his bare hands. Because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. There's God blessing him, even though he's going someplace he shouldn't be going. As I'll show you in a moment. He slew a young lion with the power of God. He has a wedding. And he gives a riddle. You know, they have a seven-day wedding. You know, we, we get bored sometimes at 60 minutes at ours, which is just pitiful. They had a seven-day wedding. Seven days of feasting and and merriment because it was a great blessing to have a wedding. And it was just a custom both in Israel and out of Israel to have a little longer than our 60-minute ceremony. Or usually it's 20. And you have to go to the reception to work out a full hour. But Samson's there and he gives a riddle from this lion that he killed and what happened to it afterwards. You know the story. We don't have, you know, bees went in there and made a nest. When he came back by, there was a bee's nest in there with honey. He ate some of that honey. And so he gave a riddle about eating honey out of a lion. Sweetness came out of a strong one. And he gave that riddle. And he said, if you can't figure out my riddle, then each of you have to bring me a set of clothes. I'll get 30 set of clothes. That'll get me started right. And if you, if you figure it out, then I owe you 30 sets. Well, they worked on his fiancée, his bride there, for seven days until he finally told her, oh, what a warning there about his ability, his ability to not resist or his lack of ability to resist women. He caves in and he tells her, she tells them, and they come and tell him just before the deadline the answer to the riddle. And he's a little torqued because the Lord torqued him. The Lord arranged this. And so Samson goes out into one of their capital cities of Ashkelon, finds 30 men walking on the street, kills them, takes their clothes, and brings it back and says, here's your 30 set of clothes. Now that didn't endear him to the nation of the Philistines. But that was his second show of strength. Thirty men, kills them, takes their clothes and brings it and says, okay, there's the thirty. I've fulfilled my part. Well, he's so upset, he goes on home and the, fa- the girl's father in the Philistines gives her to another man. He comes back later to get his wife and finds out that she's already married and he can't go into her and can't have her. So he goes out and catches 300 foxes. How many of you have even seen a fox? Unless it's in a zoo. 
Foxes are fast. They hide. They're, they're very furtive in getting away from people. He caught 300 of them. He would have been pretty good on a track team, I suppose, to be able to catch 300 foxes, ties their tails together in pairs, so there's 150 pairs of unhappy foxes that have their tails tied together with a firebrand. He's got himself a torch, a roadside torch, attached there, and they're running around. They burn up everything of the Philistines. Look at, this is found in 15, 4 and 5. Samson went and caught 300 foxes, took firebrands, turned tail to tail, and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. Do you know what they'd have run like? Would it have been a straight line? And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burnt up both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. Total destruction of their, of their agriculture that year by runaway foxes that were tied together at the tails with firebrands. You say, what the Lord put something... Listen, our God's got a sense of humor and you should get one if you don't have one. You know what he thinks of... Philistines that were by the sea coast and worshipped a god named Dagon. He likes stories like this, and that's why they're in the Bible. You know, you go a few chapters more and get over to 1 Samuel 5, and he gives the whole nation hemorrhoids and sends mice throughout the whole nation. For two chapters, you can read about them itching in their secret parts. Because God hated Philistines. Because they worshipped their god named Dagon. So he caught 300 foxes. Well, that wasn't enough. They came after him because he had burned up all their food. So it says he smote them with a hip and, hip and thigh slaughter in verses 7 and 8. He smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. You say, what does hip and thigh mean? I understand that just as proverbial speech, just like we use. You know how we would say something like that? Please understand me. He kicked his fanny. But you know, he might never have got behind him. It may have been a boxing match. But we would use language like that. I don't know anything else that it means. Because he slew them and it was a slaughter. And if you just kick, punch, or hurt somebody in the thigh, it's not normally a mortal wound. So I understand that is a proverbial expression, but it was a great slaughter. And he really did the job well because he was torqued about them taking away his bride. That's in verses 7 and 8 of Judges 15. Well, then he goes up to a mountaintop in the land of Judah. And the Philistines come. They bring an army. And they say to the men of Judah, go up and get him. We need him. He's been messing around with our nation. You know that we're in charge here now because you've been under our our thumb for 40 years. Go get him. And so 3,000 men of Judah come up and say, Samson, please, please, will you come down? And he says, promise me you won't touch me. No, we won't touch you. Well, then tie me up with two new ropes. And they tie him all up with two new ropes. And he comes down to meet the Philistines with 3,000 men of Judah. And as soon as the Philistines see him, they all shout because this man that has been causing them a lot of trouble is all tied up with two ropes. Guys, what do you think he did? What do you think the Lord does? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. He flexed and it burst away like burnt flax. It was nothing. And he looked around, There was he saw a jawbone of an ass. He's got an army there, but he picks up the jawbone of an ass and he kills 1,000 Philistines. And he's weary when he gets to the end, tosses down the jawbone, and the Lord sends out a fountain of water to refresh him. That's verses 14 and 15 of Judges chapter 15. This is Samson's strength. In chapter 16, he's visiting in the city of Gaza. He's visiting for the wrong reasons. But the men of that place say, we'll not bother him tonight. We'd rather not face Samson in the dark. We'll face him in the morning. Unless he's bad enough during the daytime. You know, what about at night? So they're going to wait till morning. Well, at midnight, Samson says, time to go home. He gets up and goes and finds the city gates closed. Now, city gates do not look like this hollow core door. Okay? I'm going to have to rely on watching a few movies for you to understand what city gates must have looked like. And he took the gates and their posts and the bar, the doors of the city, on his shoulders and took a hike. And so they woke up in the morning and there's a gaping hole in the wall of their city because Samson took it out. And it was quite a trip. Praise the Lord. 
using a man who was in the wrong place for the wrong reason, but still using him because why? The Lord loved His people and was beginning to provoke the Philistines into perpetual war until He would bring David along to bring, reduce them down to submission. He, remember he said he would begin to deliver them from the Philistines with Samson. Samson was a judge or a ruler over that part of Israel for 20 years. Because the Bible tells us that twice. Now that's in chapter 16 verses 1 through 4. And it's wonderful reading. And every boy gets excited. You're kidding! No, this was no strongman contest. You know the strongman contest, they put a refrigerator on their backs. Come on! A refrigerator? 500 pounds? Listen, you could train for two years and do it with as many injections as they take. Okay? Samson didn't need the injections and he didn't have to work out. The Holy Spirit came upon him and what would city gates weigh? The Lord wants to make a man strong. He can make him stronger than anyone that's ever been on this planet in a human body. The Lord can do anything. And He will do anything for His people. And I want you to know that this, this was done for His people, not for Samson. Right. This was done for Israel to raise up this man to help deliver them from the Philistines. And they got to watch and read about... Do you know what the papers were like in Israel? The little daily, weekly gazettes that came out about what had Samson done this week. You know, there would have been people with keeping scrapbooks of what Samson had done to the Philistines. It would have been, it would have been wonderful. And you know what he did did his encore, don't you? His hair grew back out and he said, Lord, would you give me back my strength one more time? Now the man doesn't get any better than Jonah got better through the book of Jonah. He doesn't say, give me my strength one more time because they're blaspheming your name by praising Dagon. He doesn't say, give me strength one more time so I can defend your people. He says, give me my strength one more time because I'm still angry over the loss of my eyes. And he pulls down the temple of Dagon that he was in where there were two pillars close together in the middle. He pulled it down and he killed more in his death than he killed in his life. That's the strength of Samson. But what you can bench in the gym, what you can run on the track, or what you can do anywhere else in a physical way is no evidence of how great you are. Your greatness is in your ability to resist temptation and to obey the God of heaven. Now let's look at Samson for another few minutes about his failures. Chapter 14. Chapter 14. It's okay for you young boys to rejoice in what God could do with one man named Samson and how strong he could be. But that is only a little part of the lesson. The big part of the lesson is, I want you to be better than Samson. Don't get enamored with building your body. Build your soul. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That's more important than building your body. Your bodily exercise profiteth little. If there's any profit in it, it's little profit. There's great profit in your soul. Trust the God of heaven who said that. And He knows more about strength and developing legs, arms, and everything else than any man that's ever lived. But he said, give me a man that fears me. I'll delight in him more than a man that can push 1,500 on a leg sled. The first failure. Samson went down to Timnath 14.1 and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. He came up and told his mom and dad, Mom and dad, I saw a woman I want to marry. Go get her for me. I want you to notice the custom of all nations has always been you went to your parents to get yourself a bride or a husband. You went to your parents. Even when you were as strong and as independent as Samson would have been, he still went to his parents. Now his parents said to him, what are you doing? In verse 3, can't you find a girl or a woman among the daughters of thy people? Can't you find an Israelite? Why are you going to go take an uncircumcised Philistine woman? Because the Bible had told them that was wrong. Now there's a verse here that says, and this is, the, the fourth verse says, his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord. That he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Now brethren, right there, there's one little pronoun that causes problems. That little pronoun he. 
the little pronoun he in verse 4, is that Samson or is that the Lord? I believe that's the Lord. The Lord sought an occasion against the Philistines and was using the foolishness of Samson to accomplish his will. But I want to tell you something. And my wife had to comfort me. And I thank you for instantly knowing what to say. Instantly. It is hard to go against every single commentary. Every single commentary on Judges 14.4 says that he was Samson. He went down to Timnath. He found a woman that pleased his eyes. He had a conversation with that woman and her speech pleased him. And everything else described in there was he in total control by the leading of the Holy Spirit to create a situation that would involve conflict with the Philistines. Listen, if you want to involve conflict with the Philistines, walk up to the mayor and punch him in the face. Can you believe that? But I want to tell you something. I tremble when I come before you because I never, I do not want to miss one little two-letter pronoun when I preach to you the truth. And I have slaved over that chapter. Because I don't like to go against other men who in most other places are well-respected and who divide the Word of God rightly. But when I come there, that is the Lord. And Samson is out of control. He went down to Timnath. He saw a woman. The lust of his eyes and the lust of his flesh were inflamed. And the Lord used that Himself. And I've got examples. And I'm just going to take you to one because the clock is spinning back there just like it did last Sunday. Joshua chapter 11. Let me give you one example. You know, when it says He didn't tell His parents and His parents didn't know that it was of the Lord... They weren't let in on the secret will of God, and neither was Samson. It doesn't say that Samson knew. You're, you're, putting, that in, you're putting that implication in there. Right. Samson just wanted a woman. And when you go read about it, he appe- she appealed to him through his eyes. If he was just going down there to marry any old woman to cause problems, then he should have just gone and got any old woman. But he's falling in love with this one, and he is out of control because... He told his riddle to her when he knew he shouldn't. Now, if he was in control, he would not have told her his riddle. If you ever think of praying for me once in a while, pray that I will never violate one word of the Bible. I do fear the Bible. And I do fear ever misdividing it to you. But my wife heard my groanings. And as soon as she heard them, she said, That sounds like Wednesday night. What was Wednesday night? Elihu, unafraid of Job, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. I am not full of fear about what other men say about the Bible. But I do want to be right when I have to go against the whole crowd. It's a little scary. And in one second of time, she said, sounds like Wednesday night. Just what I needed. Just what I needed. So I give to you that Samson was a fool and the Lord used him because it was the Lord delivering the Israel, not the Lord responding to a righteous man who was righteous all the time. And brethren, look at this failure. Young men, this is a warning. Look at this strong man. Do you know what he could not resist? He could tear out city gates. He could tear out their posts. He could do that. He could catch foxes, but what couldn't he defend himself against? A woman. The temptation of a woman. Do you know over there in Proverbs chapter 7, it says, with her words, she forced him. You say, can a woman rape a man? I don't know if you like the word rape, but it says forced. A woman with flattering words can force a man. Because he's unable to resist that temptation. And he was forced over and over as you read these four chapters. Oh, that doesn't make him innocent. He was the fool for going down to Timnath. But you know there are lessons in these verses to understand. He went down there and it was his, the look of his eyes that turned him on. And it says that. Do you know what the Bible says? It says, lust not after her in your heart. Lust not after her beauty in your heart and don't let her... Take you with her eyelids. It says to avoid her flattery. 
And so you've got to stay away from them, and he didn't. Who was the man in the Bible that knew what to do when a woman was trying to force him? Joseph. He knew what to do. What is it? Run. Flee youthful us, the Bible tells us. The rules were clear. You never marry an unbeliever. You know a safe way to, to narrow down your dating and your, and your thoughts of marriage is to limit it to those that fear the Lord. And that's what Samson should have been doing. Oh, I wanted to show you Joshua chapter 11. I'm sorry for my confusion. Joshua chapter 11. If I've confused you, I'm doubly sorry. Joshua 11.20 Joshua is in the land of Canaan. Remember, they took Jericho. Then they took Ai. I mean, significant battle victories. Just a wipeout of the Canaanite cities. And he's marching from city to city, and there's 50 cities. What would you do if you were city number 6? And the first five have been wiped out without a scratch on Israel. I'd have sent an ambassador with a big white flag. With lots of goodies. My favorite, Wouldn't you? But you know what? It says none of them made peace with Israel. Every city defiantly said you can't take ours. You can't take ours. Say, why would they be so stupid? You want to read it? Joshua 11, verse 20. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle that He might destroy them utterly and that they might have no favor but that He might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. Who's the He there? God. Thank you very much. Back to Judges chapter 14. That's just one example. What a terrible decision Samson made in Judges 14 when he went down to Timnath. He saw a woman and he responded to that sight and came back and started into this complicated marital situation. He didn't plan all that out because he's confused and angry about it. He gave a riddle and he couldn't resist telling her the answer to that riddle. The rule still stands today, young men. We marry in the Lord. How great could Samson have been? Just think if Samson had been faithful and used that strength for the Lord. He wouldn't have just begun to deliver Israel from the Philistines. He would have delivered Israel. He would have wiped out the Philistines. He could have been great. His sons could have been great. But that we end, he ends in a terrible disaster. He made shipwreck of his life. Though the Lord used this event, Samson was still guilty of sin. You say, how does that happen? Jesus put it this way about Judas Iscariot. It must needs be that offenses come. I need someone to betray me to fulfill Scripture. But woe unto that man by whom that offense comes. Another example. David numbered Israel and it cost 70,000 lives. Did David sin? Yes. Why did David sin? How did that happen? It says God hardened his heart. The other place says that the Lord let Satan have him and put it into his heart to number Israel so that 70,000 men died because God was angry with the nation and he used David's sin to humble him. And a whole lot of things came out of that transaction that are good. But 70,000 men of Israel died. There was God accomplishing his person, his accomplishing his purpose in spanking Israel very severely with the death of 70,000 men. And he used David to do it, and it was David's sin, but that did not leave David innocent. He was the one begging for forgiveness and running out there and making a sacrifice to beg God for forgiveness for that nation. His parents tried to do their parental job, but then they, then they quit. And they went on down to Timnath. Later in that chapter, and I've already referred to this, he has a riddle. And he knows that he shouldn't give it away. He says, I haven't even told my mother and my father about the riddle. But he cannot resist giving it to that woman of Timnath. Doesn't that show you his weakness already? And every one of you, the reason these chapters are all here with the lessons that are contained in them, that many strong men have been wounded by strange women. Stay away from all girls except those that fear the Lord and are in the Lord and that are potentials for you to marry. Stay away from them. They'll ruin your life. And even those that fear the Lord 
and that are in this church, guard your relationship with them. Do not go beyond what is proper and that your parents approve of. Do not have secret liaisons with any of that's meetings with any of them. Because look what it did to even the strong man, Samson. He couldn't resist her. And the Bible tells us a woman with her flattering words can force a man to do what he did not want to do. And shouldn't this have tipped Samson off that he had a weakness? Because of chapter, 15, because of chapter 14, there shouldn't be a chapter 16. But there's a chapter 16 because he didn't learn the lesson. Can we learn the lesson because the Bible's telling us the lesson? Chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. Samson went to Gaza, and there saw an harlot, and went in unto her. This man has a problem with women. And I want to speak to all the young men and the men of this church. That we have got to fight against women. The ungodly women. We live in a generation where there are so many vehicles available for you to look upon other women. And you have got to war against that or you'll be reduced to a shipwrecked life. God will give you a woman if you don't have one. And if you have one, that's the woman God gave you. And it's a war that we've got to fight. And it's not an easy battle. And when we look at this example of Samson, he had the strength to do so many things. But he could not resist women. And so we find him again. And so when I read chapter 16, I don't see why there's any difference between 16 and 14. When he went to Timnath, or when he went to Gaza, or when he fell into problems with Delilah, it shows that he, that the, the Holy Spirit was not leading him to do all those things. The Holy Spirit was just there because he had the long hair and he had the strength because God was delivering Israel and using Samson's foolishness. Every one of you men know exactly what I'm talking about. You have a thought life and you have an eye life. And your eyes are these two things. Samson went down to Timnath and he saw a woman of the Philistines and he liked her and he wanted her. You see women and you've got to make a choice that you're not going to look anymore and you don't want her. You've got to look away and limit yourself to the woman that God's going to give you or the woman God has given you. You will struggle with that the rest of your life and it's a warning God gives to men throughout the Bible in both Testaments. But the Lord is able to give you strength so that you can defeat that enemy called temptation. If you would fill yourself with the Word of God, keep yourself away from situations that involve that temptation, you can raise the odds for your success by God's grace and you should be begging Him for it. Everything they do on television is done with beautiful women to sell things to you. When they're selling cigarettes, or when they used to sell cigarettes, or in any advertisements you've seen where they've sold cigarettes, have they ever shown you, you know, a woman with her throat cut away, she's had emphysema and throat cancer and every other kind of cancer, and she's on a voice box, or she's got a hose here, and she's still sucking on a cigarette right here, and she's all destroyed. They never show you that, and I'm not preaching against tobacco. I'm preaching against Hollywood because they're always lying. Every model they use is carefully selected, and that model has never used the product that they're advertising. It's to sell to you because they know it sells. And men, we can't buy. We should buy the truth and sell it not. Samson bought. Look what it did to him. He bought in chapter 14 with with the woman of Timnath. He bought in the first three verses of 16 with a harlot in Gaza, and then he bought with Delilah, and he ruined his life. We, we come to chapter 16, and we see, him with, we, we see him with Delilah, a third Philistine woman that we're told about. And she's out to get him. He's dealing with whores. A whore only cares about money. A whore only cares about herself. But he cannot resist. Is it amazing to you that three times he would lie to her, And she would do whatever he had said, and there would be Philistines hiding in the curtains. And after she had done it, she would call them out. And you know, he would come to himself and realize, this woman's trying to destroy... No, he didn't realize, did he? He had to have realized. But he didn't realize. Are you confused? How does that happen? Didn't he understand that she was out to destroy him? Why on the fourth occasion would he tell the truth? He tells you why. Her words. And she was pressing him. 
and vexing him. And a woman can press and vex a man with her body and with her words and with her eyes. And he went down. It is, it is almost impossible to believe when you're dealing with your nation's enemy to submit yourself to a whore and, who's working for money. And then three times she tries to destroy you and you go ahead and tell her the truth. That is an example for all time of the verse that I've already quoted. Many strong men have been wounded by her. Instead of running with her, instead of running from her, he continued to play with her until he was destroyed. He didn't want to give up his sin. I want to tell every one of you young men, go ahead. And I'm using irony if you can't figure it out, but you will. Go ahead and play with your little sins. They will destroy you. You cannot play with sin and get away with it. Be sure your sin will find you out. If you play with little sins here... Little sins here, little sins here, or little sins anywhere else with a woman, they will destroy you. They will not stay the same. They will take you down. Look at this man. See, he mocked her. He said, I ain't going to let this woman do that to me. I ain't going to let this woman do that to me. I ain't going to let this woman do that to me. I'm not repeating myself. I'm doing it for the three times that he said, I'm not going to let this woman do that to me. This woman isn't going to destroy me. I'm going to, I'm going to have my cake and I'm going to eat it too. No, she ate him alive. She ate him alive and destroyed him. Because he played with the most dangerous sin that there is for men. And if we are going to be ready for the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes, we fight this sin. And we're not like Samson. You want to prove to me your strength? You want to prove to God your strength? You want to prove to your parents your strength? Show us a man of conviction and character that isn't moved by attractive girls or the girls of this world, but is moved by his spirit and the word of God and the instruction of his parents and the preaching of this pulpit and the things of heaven. That's how you show strength. That takes a strong man. Joseph was so much stronger than Samson. How do you even compare the two? The one was adult when it came to fighting temptation and the other one was a hero. There was a huge difference. She takes him down. I wonder if she stood there while they took a short, spe- a short sword and, and dug his eyeballs out of their eye sockets. Or do you think they burned him out? Was it a hot poker treatment? Or did they scoop him out with a tablespoon? A brother says, what's the difference? They both, they both sound pretty gory. But did she stand there and watch while they did that? You know what she was doing while she was watching? Yeah. Counting. Yep. Laughing all the way to the bank. And there was a man ruined. Amen. How can a Philistine woman that doesn't even have a heart and a soul destroy a man of God from Israel? Sex. Who are the great men in here? Married and unmarried. I want you to be greater than Samson. Yeah, the Lord used him. Yes, the Lord used him to kill men and provoke the Philistines and kill many in his death. But he foolishly gave in to sin his whole life. At least the life that we're told about. I want, to, I want you to think about Paul. He said, I have fought a good fight. Amen. Amen. Samson didn't fight. He gave in. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course and I've kept the faith. Does that sound a whole lot different than Samson? That's a whole lot different. Paul labored more abundantly than the other apostles. Samson certainly didn't labor more abundantly than the other judges. He gave in too easily. The Bible tells us this secret. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Wherever you think you could get tempted... Whatever you're doing that causes you to see some temptations, get rid of them. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. If you're not where you can even be tempted, then you're not going to sin. So stay away from those places. Every, everything, a television, magazines, restaurants, nightclubs, all the places, friends, school, 
Different people, off people, girls in the office, whatever, wherever, internet, whatever could tempt you, get away from it. Because it make no provision. Don't do that thing. Be willing to give it up so that you can be a Joseph and not a Samson. Paul said to Timothy, flee youthful us. When your youthful us are acting up, and this is one of them, run away from it. Don't toy with it. Don't play with it. Samson, why didn't you run? How could you let a heartless, cruel, uncircumcised Philistine woman destroy him? They could destroy any one of you if you gave them any room at all. They're too powerful. So Proverbs says over and over and over about that strange woman, and you know I get people writing me. Why do you write so many commentaries about bad women? Because that's how the Lord wrote the book of Proverbs. Because it's one of the greatest dangers to a young man. He wasn't writing to his young daughter. He was writing to a young man. And strange women can ruin young men. That's why I write about it. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to remember, He created you. He died for you. He owns you twice. Therefore, you do not take what He owns, being your body, and connect it to a harlot. Because He owns you twice. He created you and He bought you by His blood. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And you can be greater than Samson. You can't play with women. You can't think about them and you can't look at them. Proverbs 6, 24 and 25. Proverbs 23 says that a whore is a deep ditch. And she increases the transgressors among men. When you see those beautiful women and you think that it's a beautiful sight, all it is is the increase of sin in the world. By women not being at home, clothed, having children, and committed to their husband. Or, at home, milking the cows and committed to their father. When you see those women that have sold their souls to put their pictures wherever you see them, or whether they're on the street without hardly any clothing on, just remember, you play with that at all here, here, or in here, and you will go down like Samson. You watch stuff on television that has that, and you allow that, and you let it run, it will take control of you, as it did Samson. I don't want anyone in here to to make shipwreck. We need to run away from it all, like Joseph did, like Daniel did. You know, Daniel, what the pressure that was on him in that fast-track school in Babylon. He said, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to eat of the king's meat. He would not defile himself. And Joseph would not defile himself with Potiphar's wife. He said, how how could I ever commit this great sin against God? He wasn't thinking about Mr. Potiphar. He was thinking about the God of heaven. And may we be as faithful in our thoughts. Samson, God used him. He was foolish and vulnerable to temptations that he would not stay away from. And he ends up shipwrecked. Though the Lord used his shipwreck to kill more in his death than in his life. Young men, be greater than Samson. I've told you how today. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.